0: What a difference the presence of God makes. We should never take that for granted. We should give God one great big praise for his presence tonight. Can you do that? Thank you, Lord. If you have tithes and offerings tonight, you can drop them in the boxes on your way out tonight. At this time, would you please welcome Rhonda Burden tonight as she brings forth the word. praise the Lord hallelujah hallelujah thank you Jesus hallelujah Let the interpreter speak. If you have the word, release it. Bless you, Lord. We thank you, Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, for your mighty presence in this house. You are welcome here, Lord. We honor you, O God. We exalt you in this room. Bless your name, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Tonight I'm just going to bring you a word from um, Kings chapter 13. I'm going to read just a couple verses. It's 29 and 31 and it says, And the prophet took up the corpse of the man of God, laid it on the donkey, and brought it back. So the old prophet came to the city to mourn and to bury him. Then he laid the corpse in his own tomb, and they mourned over him, saying, Alas, my brother. So it was, after he had buried him, that he spoke to his sons, saying, When I am dead, then bury me in the tomb where the man of God is buried. Lay my bones beside his bones. And because of time, I'm not going to read the whole story, but when you go back and read the story that this scripture pertains to in its entirety, you're gonna find that the meat of the story comes down to one thing, and that is influence, the power and the effects of influence. And to be under the influence of something means to be controlled by something or someone other than yourself. Who you are, what you are and where you are today is because you were under the influence of certain people. I am who I am today because of the influence of my mother and my father, the influence that they had on me growing up. The company that you keep influences your thinking, your thinking influences your actions and your actions influences your character and your character determines your destiny. Influence is impossible to escape. You're either going to influence for the good or you're going to influence for the evil. You will be influenced for the good or you will be influenced for the evil. It's like the weather. It's always there to be reckoned with and you can't get away from it. That's why as parents, we monitor the things that our children watch. We monitor the things that our children listen to, the company that they keep, who they are with and where they go. The Bible said that a prophet came to the city of Bethel where Jeroboam was. Jeroboam was the king of Israel, and he was blaspheming God in Bethel, which means the house of God. Jeroboam was backslidden at this time, and he was worshiping false idols, and he was offering uh, offerings up to these idols in God's house. And a prophet was sent. Uh, by the Lord from a foreign place. And this prophet walked in, and in front of all of the people, he openly rebuked what King Jeroboam was doing. Uh, king Jeroboam was a powerful king, but this prophet obeyed the, the word of the Lord. And when he did, the king was angered. And the Bible says that he stretched out his hand. He went to bear, he put his hands on this young prophet to take his life. And when he did, the, the king's hand withered up. Um, so this humiliated the king, and um, he was humiliated by the prophet who was prophesying doom to his kingdom. That king reached for him in anger, and as he did, it, his hand withered up, and in that moment, all of Israel saw the power of God was so heavy upon that prophet that when the king tried to harm him and hurt him, it was ineffective, and no weapon formed against this young prophet prospered. And the most uh, powerful hand in the nation stretched out against this man of God to bring harm to him, but it was not prosperous. And when I think of that, I think about the powerful hands that are being stretched out against the body of Christ today in our nation. And I'm just standing here today as a witness to testify that the enemy will not prosper against the bride of Christ. Um, So um, the king was humbled by what had happened and he fell on his knees and he prayed to the prophet and um, he said, please don't leave me like this. And he asked for forgiveness. And the Bible said that the prophet prayed for his hand and God restored his hand. And that right there is a message in itself. We are to pray for those that stand in power. We are to pray for those leaders. We are to pray for those who persecute us Uh, and the Lord will hear and he he will answer. And then the king said to this prophet of God, he said, come to my palace, come eat with me. I want to sit down and dine and wine with you. And the young prophet denied that, that petition. And he said, no, he said, I cannot do that. He said, the Lord has commanded me not to eat and not to drink in this polluted land. And the, the king continued and wanted him to come. And he tried to compel him to come to the palace and, and eat with him. And he, he said, I'm not for he said, I was sent here to give you a word of the Lord. I've backed it up by the power of God on my life. You have witnessed the power of God here today. I did not come to sit down at your table and feast with you. I did not come to drink of your cup. I came to do the will of my Father. I came to do what I was sent to do. And he said, and because the word because God gave me a word for you and he said, and now I'm leaving." I'm out of here. My job is done. I'm out. And he continued to say, God commanded me to not even eat a meal in this polluted land. And he said, God told me not to even go back the same way that I came. He told me you go a different way and don't you ever go back there unless I send you. And that's some of us today. We need to know where the Lord has taken us, It doesn't mean that's where we're supposed to stay and we may never return. We are to keep moving in the direction that the Lord is leading us. And this is where the story should have ended, but it didn't. A a man of God obeyed the word of the Lord. He followed the direction and the leading of the Lord. God's will was accomplished. All is well. The people witnessed a miracle and it should have been done. But the story doesn't end there. The Bible says in that same land was an old backslidden prophet who who used to have the word of the Lord. He used to carry the word of the Lord. He used to carry the anointing of God upon his life. He used to have the touch of God. He used to have the prophecies of the Lord, but not anymore. And the prophetic word for the king, for the people. Sorry, I think I lost my place. Okay, so this old backslidden prophet, the reason that he is no longer effective and anointed is because the, saint, that the king had paid him off and made him a very wealthy man. He began to change his message. He began to alter the message of the Lord because the king paid him to prophesy only what was good to hear. The king paid him to prophesy what would tickle our ears today. And when he did that, the anointing of God lifted off of his life. And now he's just an old prophet who at one time saw mighty miracles and had a word confirmed with signs and wonders as he would speak. But now he's just a shadow of a powerful man that he used to be. And the Bible said that his sons, this old prophet's sons were there when this new young prophet came with the word of the Lord and they witnessed the miracle of the Lord. They ran home to their father and they told him the story. They explained to him what had happened with the king and how he had stretched his hand forth and his hand became withered and how now he has been healed. They went home and testified to the old prophet and that stirred something up in the old prophet. So he went out and he went and he found the young prophet and he wanted to meet him. He wanted to spend time with him. He wanted it so desperately and he too offered to bring the young prophet home. He got on his donkey and he went out and he... um, the young prophet got on his donkey and he went out. And the old prophet came as he was leaving the country and he began to compel the young prophet. Uh, But the young prophet again resisted and said, no, this is what the Lord told me to do. This is what I'm going to do. But the Bible tells us that the old prophet went on to tell him that an angel of the Lord came to his house and that the angel of the Lord instructed him to invite the younger prophet to his house. And he said the angel of the Lord told me to tell you that God said for you to come eat at my house. And the scripture goes on to tell us that the old prophet was lying. It was a lie. He was manipulating and he was lying and he was using his influence as an old prophet to manipulate this young man. And so um, the young man the young prophet said, well, if the angel of the Lord said this to you, then it must be God. So he went home to the old prophet's house. He ate the meal. And the bottom line is, because he disobeyed what the Lord said, he died. He, um, after he ate the meal, he went back, got back on his donkey And he was getting ready to leave the country. And the Bible said that while he was going down the road, there was a lion that saw the young prophet that had disobeyed the the word of the Lord. And the lion attacked the young man and killed him. And when the old prophet had heard what had happened, his heart sank and he ran to the young prophet. And as he ran to meet the young prophet, the lion was standing over the dead body of the prophet. And the the um, it was obvious that that was an assignment. The lion was sent as an assignment of the Lord because nothing and no one else was harmed. So the old prophet brought the corpse of the young prophet back. Uh, put him on his donkey and brought him back to his home. And this is where our scripture comes from. It says that he brought him back to his home and buried him in his own tomb that he had bought for himself. The only reason that the young prophet was in the grave is because the old prophet, who didn't have the fire of God and the touch of God, used his influence in an evil way. And I just... Feel like the Lord is cautioning us as sons and daughters of God that we have a great responsibility right now in the kingdom of God. We have a great responsibility right now where we're at um, in the body of Christ, and we've got to be very careful and we've got to be very cautious of our influence on one another, our influence on the young, our influence on the old that are not spiritually mature. We've got to be cautious of the things that we do. In the things that we say and trust me I'm preaching to myself here tonight we've got to know that we're making the right choices and we're making the right decisions because I've got lost loved ones that are hanging in the balance right now that I'm praying for I'm praying them into the kingdom of God and into the kingdom of heaven and we've got to know that we're right where we need to be and that our influence is anointed and that our influence is on the right path and that we're doing and saying the right things every one of has the power of influence on our life, but we decide and we choose how we handle it. And it's up to us to make sure we handle it responsibly. Adam was in the garden alone and God said it is not good for him to be alone. And it was at that very moment that influence was birthed. God made a woman and suddenly there was the potential to influence one another for good or for evil. The apostle Paul said, no man lives unto himself and no one dies unto himself. And what that means is how you live and how you die, others will follow the pattern that you set. I have children and I have grandchildren and they are going to follow the pattern that I set before them, whether it's good or whether it's bad and whether I want them to or whether I don't, they're going to follow the pattern that I set before them and what that means that how you live others will live and and they will follow you They will walk in the footprints that you lead and they will go by example. No man lives unto himself and no man dies unto himself. And the same is true in our relationship with Christ. Obviously, the more time that we spend with Jesus, the more we become like him. Acts 4.13 says they took note that these men had been with Jesus. When the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, they were transformed to the extent that some thought they were drunk. They were influenced by the power of the Holy Spirit. They were under the influence of the power of the Holy Spirit. But Peter said, these people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel in the last days. God says, I will pour my spirit out upon all people. Two chapters later, we read this. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. That's the kind of influence that I want on my life today. I want to be recognized for the power of Jesus on my life. I want people to say she is under the influence of the Holy Spirit. She is under the influence of the blood of the lamb. She is under the influence and controlled by the power of God. That's what I want people to follow. That's what I want people to witness in my life. And if we're wise, then we'll spend our Time seeking the influence of Jesus. Now, I don't have to remind anybody in here because you all know by now that my heart is this nation. And we see a parallel with this story, with where we're at today in our land and in our nation. And that's where we're going to shift to right now. Because just like this prophet had influence on this young man, there are mountains of influence in our nation. And it is said that... These mountains, there are seven mountains of influence. And it is said that if these mountains shift and turn from wickedness to righteousness, that a nation can be turned around. So we're going to look at that for just a minute here tonight. There are seven of them. And the first one, and I did not put these in any order, but the first one is the media. And I know you might be looking at me thinking, Rhonda, you're getting political, but that's okay. Okay. That's all right. We're going to talk about it anyway. It can either speak truth or deception and lies. And the battle for this mountain is between the spirit of fear and the spirit of truth. We're witnessing right now this mountain of influence in our own church body. When we cannot put a church service on a Facebook platform, we got a problem. When we have been shut down on Facebook and can't let the word of God be shared on Facebook across nations, we've got a problem and we need to be praying over the media. It is a mountain. Whether we like it or not, media influences our culture greatly. Seen as the main source of information, whether it be the news, whether it be social media, whatever it is, it has the power to sway viewpoints to match its very own. The devices used are often cunning and many lack integrity, and we've seen unquestionable evidence over the last three years. We have seen a shift in media take place. With that in mind, what we're going to do here tonight is we're going to talk about strategic ways that we can pray over these mountains of influence to shift our nation. And we're not just going to pray it tonight. We're going to take these home with us, and we're going to cover them regularly until we see a move and until we see a turnaround. We're going to pray that the media will be truth bearers and contributors to unity. We're going to pray that they will build up rather than tear down. We're going to rebuke the enemy from his work within the media and tear down evil foundations with spiritual authority. You have spiritual authority to make those prayers mighty. Pray for godly people to rise up in the area of media and become producers, station owners, anchors, and reporters. Pray that the influence of the godly will outweigh that of the wicked. Now that might sound like a very juvenile thing to pray, but that is mighty, and that is powerful, and it's effective. That is an effective prayer that will go out and turn our nation around. The second thing is our government. The mountain of influence that establishes laws, it can either restrain evil or allow it to prosper based on the laws that it establishes. The battle for this mountain is between the spirit of pride and control and the spirit of humility and order. We can pray those things down in the United States. We can pray against the spirit of pride and control. We can pray for a spirit of humility in our government leaders. We should be praying that. 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 3 says that we are to pray. We are to intercede and give thanks for kings and all people in authority. This is God's command to every believer today. This means that you pray for all people in authority, whether we agree with them or not. You can pray for all leaders that they will make righteous and godly decisions. Praying for leaders even when we don't think that they are doing the right thing. God has commanded us to do that. Uh... It's productive toward God's plan and purpose for our nation. Proverbs 21 and one says, the heart of a king is in the hand of the Lord. He can turn it however he wants. So your prayers are important. While praying for those who are already in authority, we must must also pray for more godly men and women to rise up and take their place in positions within government across our nation. When the godly are in authority, the people rejoice. Pray that Christians, that God has chosen chosen will heed the call and run for office. We should be praying for godly men and women to rise up and answer the call of God with a yes so that they will run. And we should pray. i a... not going to say that. We need to be praying over our elections, and we need to be praying today over the presidential election 2024. We don't wait until 2024 to pray for the next president. We do it today. We do it now. We pray that they will be elected even against strong opposition because there is influence in our government. There is wicked influence in our government and in our media and in the rest of these mountains, we need to be praying specifically for our federal government, the executive and legislative and judicial branches, our state government, our local police, our military. The third mountain is education. This mountain of influence teaches truth and godly principles or it counterfeits and it teaches deception and our school systems and our educators the administrators they covet our prayers they need us to be praying they are influential these people have 8 hours a day with our children they can pour into them and i'm just going to say you know my i've got two educators in my family my son and my daughter-in-law are teachers and you know they take it seriously and they mentor and they pour into them and we think that they can't speak jesus yes they can Yes, they can. And we need to be praying for them to have words that will penetrate their heart and that their lips will be anointed and that they will speak and pour into them and teach them the word of God. They can do that. There is a way to do that. And when we pray, we ask that God will be brought back into our schools. Pray that more righteous men and women will rise up and say yes and go into the school system and teach and run for the school boards and pray for those as they go and make cast their ballots that they that the favor of God will be upon them. We pray for the righteous to enter and reign in our classrooms. And the the fourth one is family. Uh, this mountain of influence fosters an environment of safety and blessings or enslaves us with curses. It is to be a picture of the triune God and a statement and a testament of his love, protection, and guidance. Uh, The family mountain is to be the place where we grow and mature spiritually, emotionally, and physically. Yet over time, the definition of family has been distorted. The definition of family has been perverted. The devil seeks to steal, kill, and destroy the family unit. The family unit, the family unit is the jugular in the body of Christ. The family unit is the jugular in the body of Christ. And Satan knows that if he goes for the jugular, our family unit, that he has us right where he wants us, falling apart. Premarital sex, cohabitation. You know what they are. There are many. But the word of God is is clear. And we need to be praying for the family unit. We need to be praying for marriages. We need to be praying against um, sin in the home. We need to be praying for marriages to be healed and strengthened. It's critical that we cover these things And I'm I'm sorry if I'm too political for you, but this is important. We've got to turn these things around in the United States of America. The fifth one, and I'm not gonna spend a lot of time on the rest of these, but the fifth one is religion. There is a battle for freedom to worship. There is a battle for freedom to speak the word of God. There is a battle right now. We We can worship anything and everything else other than Jesus Christ in the United States right now. We're persecuted for that. We need to be praying for the freedom of religion, we need to be praying for the freedom to worship and the freedom to exercise our biblical rights in this land. The sixth one is arts and entertainment. This mountain influences how and what we celebrate as a culture. It can either be in alignment with God's virtues and values, celebrating the things of God, bringing unity in life, or seeks fleshly pleasures that result in depression, doubt, and death. This battle is the battle for this mountain is between the flesh and the spirit. We need to be praying that God will raise up righteous men and women in the entertainment industry. And there are many that we could name and I'm not going to do that because of time. And the last mountain of influence is our businesses and the economy of our nation. We are. The United States of America is known for its strong economy, but again, over the last few years, we've seen that. Mightily affected and we need to be praying a strong economy makes for a strong nation and we can all agree right now that it's not as strong it has as it has been in the past. We need to be praying for kingdom minded leaders to rise to the top of businesses and that they would be that God would raise up entrepreneurs and we've been praying for that in our prayer group on Monday nights and since then we have seen it with our own eyes right here in our own congregation people rising up and building businesses. And that is, the, that is the result of praying over our businesses and our economies. And if you know someone that has a business, pray over them, pray for their business, that it would prosper because they're paying tithes on that. So that is another way that we can turn our nation around is by praying over these seven mountains of influence. When we come together in unity and pray for the seven mountains of influence, God will hear our prayers and we'll begin to see a shift in our culture towards righteousness. James five sixteen tells us the earnest prayers of the righteous have great power and produce wonderful results. And tonight, that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna take our place on the prayer battlefield and by faith, we're gonna make our requests known to the Lord. So at this time, Steve has got Steve has put those mountains of influence on the board, and we're gonna do we're gonna do uh, our prayer time just a little bit different tonight because we're gonna cover every one of these. So uh, the first one is media. So I need at least three people to stand and say that you will pray over the media. Right now, go ahead and stand. I need three people. Okay, thank you. I need three people that will say that you're gonna pray over our government. Thank you. At least three, and why am I doing this? Because I wanna make sure every single one of these is prayed for. I need three people to pray over our education system. Okay, thank you. I need three people to pray over the family unit. Thank you. I need three people to pray over the freedom of religion, the freedom to worship and to honor and to speak the word of God. Thank you. I need three people to pray over arts and entertainment. Thank you. I need three people to pray over business and our economy. Thank you. Okay, so if you would go ahead and stand or kneel or whatever you wanna do, if you didn't stand for something, I don't care what you pray for on that board, but we've gotta pray and we've gotta pray for these seven mountains of influence. And when we do, and when we continually petition the Lord over these influences of our land, we will see a shift. We will see a shift. We will. You know, culture and society wants you to think and wants you to believe that the United States of America is doomed. I will never believe that. I will never believe that because there is a remnant that will say, not on my watch. There is a remnant that will say, not while I'm here to breathe a breath of prayer. We've got power and authority in our prayer. And if if we would just understand the power and the authority and the effectiveness of a righteous man or a righteous woman's prayer, it availeth much. It availeth much. It's not wasted time. So let's go ahead and stand or pray or kneel or whatever you want to do. And I want to say this. I want to say this. You have an assignment tonight. You have an assignment to pray. That is why we're here. We each one have an assignment. I don't care what your neighbor sounds like. I don't care if your neighbor's crying and snotting and rolling in the floor. I don't care if your neighbor is standing there and whispering a little whisper of a prayer. It's effective. Do not let that hinder you. Do not let that stop you. I'm going to pray from right here. Don't listen to my prayer. Don't worry about what I'm saying because you have an assignment And right now, that assignment is critical to our nation. It's critical to our nation. Hallelujah.